Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft Duel Gang, the show where I pretend to be interested in people much more talented than me, so that I can one day say that I spoke to them before they got famous, and then maybe like weasel into their entourage and get like cool cars and shit. (laughs) Uh, Today with me, I'm very, very excited. Uh, I've been trying to talk to these guys for a long time. I've been stalking them on Instagram for a while and, you know, like making sure they know I exist. I have the fellas from uh, the podcast Ink to Film. The hosts are Luke Elliott, James Bailey. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. I'm, I'm happy to be on here. Between Lewis and Lovecraft has been a podcast I've been checking out for a while now, ever since we uh, started following each other on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. I think that might go down in history as my most professional intro. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty ever. good. I was impressed. I had to, I, I it does wrote sound it. like you're pretending to be interested in us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it came off? Damn it. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> nah, I I absolutely love your guys' show. Um, it's it's a, the type of show that it's like once it exists... It's like, oh, yeah, that's like the perfect kind of uh, formula for any podcast to to read a book and then watch a movie and then talk about it. Who? Yeah. How, how did nobody think about this at the beginning of podcast history? Like, <laughs> uh, so I think it's genius that you guys are doing it. And I think you guys do it really well, the, the way that you guys dive deep into it. Do you want to just for our listeners, do you want to tell people about your show? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh you know, uh, there it has been done before. We did find some versions of it out there, but we wanted to do it in our own way, and we wanted to find find like a variation that we didn't see out there in the you know the, the general podcasting arena. Um, just for the we record, just, I, I do want to jump in and say we didn't know at the time of creating the podcast that similar <laughs> things had been done. We thought it was an, a wholly original idea, but come to find out, people people are like minded. Yeah, I mean, I, I suspected at least, but uh, maybe I was afraid to look because I didn't want to ruin that. Like, didn't want to take, take right. our steam away. But uh, we wanted to do it in a way that focused on the creators, um, focused on the process behind it. You see a lot of page to screen out there. That that tends to be the phrase I see the most, and I like the idea that ours, uh, instead of focusing on the end result focuses more on the process. So so we like to dive into the writer. We like to t- dive into the filmmaker and then try and like understand and theorize about what they were going for and talk about whether or not it was successful. Um, and then the process of adaptation. And then the other main thing is we didn't want to leave behind the book in the way that a lot of other podcasts do. A lot of other sure. bo- podcasts just focus on that film, um, maybe touch a little bit on the book, but don't like kind of give it its own equal weight. And we always want to try and do that and make sure we represent the book fully as a, as a sort of an equal uh, piece of the process. Yeah, studying yeah, studying films was, has always been like a, a big thing for me. And I've always felt like the best way to learn is just by studying, studying all these different filmmakers. And that's always it's been a, a joy for me to do that on the podcast. And another thing that, that a lot of filmmakers that I respect always say is like, you know, you're, you're so much you'll always become a better 
filmmaker, writer, everything just by also reading. So like, I love the opportunity to read and also continue to like study these films. Like I, it's just hopefully in some way we can, we can, we're hoping to entertain people and also soak in some of this knowledge that we're kind of like sifting through and hopefully we, we can become better artists ourselves. Yeah, because because you guys aren't just uh, people who are interested in books and movies. Like you guys are are actively trying to create these things uh, in your own life, right? And and so it's not just for the sake of of knowing it or learning it. You're also trying to learn how to be better at something that you guys bring to the table. Um, I know Luke, you're an author, and James, you're uh, a filmmaker as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think James touched on this ulterior motive we have of uh, wanting to better ourselves uh, and, and improve our own craft. I absolutely feel like I've become a better writer from from doing this. I, I mean, I think it's no accident that it happened right after I finished my MFA program at Seton Hill University. Um, I wanted to like continue my education and just keep reading because that was my first experience to a program where we read... Um, material from all different genres and sort of considered it all one craft and, and all one one sort of enterprise that you could study and, and try and, you know, emulate. And I wanted to continue to do that when I was done. I didn't want it to end. And so the podcast was also a way to keep doing that. Um, and it's continued to, to spill over into the, the things I do. And that's why I don't write just one genre. A lot of genre authors out there will will sort of hitch their horse to one thing. You know, they'll say, oh, I'm a fantasy author, I'm a sci-fi author, I'm a horror right. author, or whatever. Um, whereas I, I like to leave it a little more loose, and I, I dabble in different genres, um, I, you know, whether that's short fiction or, or longer novel-length stuff that I'm working on. How about you, James? Uh, what, do you, what do you work on? Um, like, are you actively making films or, or what sort of projects do you generally work on? Yeah, so it's kind of a mixture of everything. Like, ultimately, I would love to be this writer, director, producer, like one man army. But um, a lot of a lot of my, you know, like I, like I said, I approach in, in a similar way to Luke, I approach the podcast as like a continuation of my education. I, I really do approach a lot of the film projects as like what I would have been talking about in like a film criticism class, like a film analysis class where we watch it and as a class go through it, the sort of things that, that you pick up on and then doing that that extra bit of digging to understand symbolism that might be baked into a story is always been something that I, that I love doing. And then on the on the other side of that, like uh, my production, like my, my experience in production has allowed me to work on all kind of TV shows, whether it's reality or narrative based. And then I've also worked on um, short films. I'm working on a feature film soon. It's an indie feature film. Uh, but again, it's it's not it's not a massive budget, but but I am really excited about that. And like I've gotten a lot of experience in the camera department specifically. So a lot of my a lot of what I'm like sort of gunning for is like eventual director of photography, directing, um, you know, major, major feature films. But it's a it's a whole process and like you, you got to find your way whether it's sometimes you got to work in the industry is so tough and sometimes you have to cut your teeth on advertising or commercial work media work um so i do i do a bit of everything i try to you know I, of course i'm always gunning for that narrative feature filmmaking but uh there's a bit of practice that can come about you can learn a lot on a set in a camera department just on a commercial for like zyrtec or something you know like sure. that kind of stuff yeah, I think if you're, as long as you're excited about your um, 
like these things that you're trying to achieve, your goals, you're going to find ways to learn how to do them better, right? And and that's the uh, I think that's the key to success in anything. And that's with Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm always looking at the author and going, okay, how how can I be more like them, or do I want to be more like them, right? Because uh, right now we're going through Isaac Asimov, and uh, dude's insane. Dude is. <laughs> crazy right and i'm like we read we read frank herbert and i'm like i I could i could try and be like this guy i could emulate this guy as an author but isaac asimov i'm like nah i don't i don't even want to touch that Mm. because he's he's so prolific it's it's crazy but i can still learn from his process and how he approaches the storytelling process as well as textbooks and you know essays and generally knowing everything offhand um i like that you focus on the people right like that that's similar to our podcast in the way that we we try and remember that there are human beings behind these stories and they're not you know mythical creatures they they are just people who are flawed and um are just trying to make a living doing whatever it is they're doing uh i think it's always important to remember that the flawed part is my favorite definitely and, (laughs) and what i focus on on our episodes uh just because it's it's interesting to hear about how terrible most of our (laughs) our favorite authors were yeah it's it's also interesting because like when you approach it from a background of of form which we try to do on our podcast is like you you're willing to give the benefit of the doubt in some cases that other people wouldn't be you know like like making a film or a tv show is really tough writing a novel is extremely hard like when we approach these projects like i think you take it with a grain of salt and you see the intention of these artists and you you know you try to you try to put yourself in their shoes and and you know you give them the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent and then sometimes you have to say hey like uh, you know, for myself, it didn't work or, or something like that. But typically we like to come from like a positive, like promoting art being created standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's ask the big question. I mean, we're talking about authors and movies and stuff. Who's who's your guys' favorite author? And I know before we started recording, <laughs> you said that's that's hard, but I have to ask. Like, we got to talk about it. Oh, boy. Favorite author? Do you want to start? <laughs> I mean, I can attempt to start. Uh, Luke knows that I like am notorious about this because, like, even just like that, I remember years and years ago there was like someone. I think Mike Arns and a former guest like tagged us in something on Twitter and was like, "Top five horror movies go." And like, I'm so awful that I can't. I, I find it so stressful to try to to try to do it. And then like, I worry like, is this? You know, people are gonna look at my list and say like, "Oh, I left this off and I left that off." So I find it really tough to do, but overall like i can i can give it give it a swing here like some of my favorite authors i i early in my life i read a lot of fantasy and i'm still kind of i still am drawn to fantasy a lot um i you know of course have to say one of the one of the like large novels that captivated me for such a long time was large series was uh game of thrones like a song of ice and fire sure it um that was that was something that like I look at George R. R. Martin and I look at that like 20, 30 year journey that he's been on and it's just like mind blowing to me. And I, you know, of course, I didn't come into it until the, the show was out. But just just looking at that perspective, like he's he's sort of on. I don't know. You know, he's like a modern day pedestal that people look to in terms of like what a fantasy can be. And, you know, the, whether the show, whether you agree with everything that went on, went on with the show or not, you can see that clearly it was on the straight and narrow when they were following his work. Um, 
And what was it? Because I I don't know I don't know Game of Thrones. I haven't read it. Haven't watched it. Wow. Um. And I know. I know. I'm I'm a I'm a douchebag in the world of nerds. <laughs> no, um, you're just you're just like you're resistant, right? You're 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 questioning, yeah. always questioning. It's, it's pretty much out of spite at this point, <laughs> just because. I get told by so many people, you have to read this. You have to watch it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, though. And <laughs> now I'm definitely not going to. But with Game of Thrones, you know, with uh, let me back up. With Tolkien, like, we got, it wasn't, it wasn't really the first fantasy ever written. But it was the first, like, proficient fantasy that that cultivated a world that people could just, like, dive into. Um, and from what I get from Game of Thrones, I feel like it's similar to that. But what is it that is like in in the late 2010s, you know, that, that we got this Game of Thrones surge? What is it that draws people to the books, to the story of, of Game of Thrones? So I definitely want to let Luke talk on this because I know that he loves George R. R. Martin and, and like the Song of Ice and Fire series was massive for him as well. But I, I think just in terms of it being as large as it is and the reason that there's always going to be the comparison drawn is because I think George R. R. Martin is a reaction to Tolkien with Lord of the Rings. Like you're getting mm-hmm. you're getting a Song of Ice and Fire as a reaction to and sort of like uh a successor, you know, like where it's this, it's this insanely detailed world with so much going on and it is, it is highly original, but you, you can see the intention in, in George R. R. Martin being like, well, what if, you know, everything didn't work out? And what I think he's like, he, you know, we talk on our podcast all the time about how like some things just hit at the right time. And I think it's a mixture of that and he's a reaction to Tolkien. So that's a large demo of, of fantasy readers that are there ready to read something like that. But honestly, I want to throw to Luke because he he knows a ton more about Song of Ice and Fire than I do. If he wanted to talk about it, yeah. Uh, so my my relationship to that material is I was a fantasy fan growing up. I was I was honestly I probably started with like Jane Yolen, um, Margaret Wace and Tracy Hickman who did Dragonlance, yep. um, playing D and D, playing Magic the Gathering, getting really into that kind of stuff. I I liked. Uh, Lord of the Rings stuff, but I didn't really read the books. It was more like I watched these cartoons, um, and then yeah, eventually the, the movies were came out. Dope, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like one of my favorite VHS copies was of the Hobbit, the, the animated yep. film. I loved it. Um, I was massive into fantasy, right? Um, you know, C.S. Lewis. When I was really young, my mother read me C.S. Lewis. Um, and then I think in high school I got into Robert Jordan, which was like my first kind of experiment with something a little, little older, a little more mm. uh, in depth. And then I fell away from fantasy when I went to college um, because in college, I wanted to be a writer already, but they didn't allow genre. You had to write literary stuff. And so I started going like, well, I guess I better read some more literary stuff since that's what I'm writing these days. Um, And I did genuinely become a fan of literary stuff. Like I love like Laurie Moore, Tim O'Brien, I got into Kurt Vonnegut, who's more of a sci-fi literary guy. Um, A lot of great writers out there. Dennis Johnson, who we we did an episode on. a lot of great authors there but at the same time i found this series called a song of ice and fire and i was reading it on the side and it was kind of my like dirty secret of like i'm still actually <laughs> reading some fantasy and um it made me fall back in love with fantasy when i had sort of drifted away from it because mm-hmm. it was so adult i'd never read any fantasy that dealt in you know as, as much violence as much um just like the world doesn't it isn't fair 
the world isn't a fairy tale. The world isn't about um, a hero's journey always working out the way you expect it's going to when you read most of the fantasy I'd read up to that point. I'm not sure. saying he's the first to do it. I know that there are others out there who are doing this sort of thing, but he's kind of like Tolkien in that he was the one who kind of popularized it. Um, yeah. His his books were really big before the the show um, was developed, and I'm always proud to look back and say that I, I read the four books that were out at the time before the the series was even announced. I didn't find out about the series until I finished the books. Um, I was massive into them. Um, I see now that I'm more well read in the, in the genre that they do have some issues, um, and he obviously is failing to finish the series, which a lot of people when they hear George R. R. Martin, I feel like they see red because the, people are so angry <laughs> that he has. You know, still has two books left to write and doesn't seem to be <laughs> writing them in with any sort of hurry. Um, you know, that's is, a whole other funny. discussion. But yeah, it's, gonna... people are just so mad about it; it's hard to even bring them up. And like, I know people are probably screaming even hearing us talk about him because <laughs> yeah. they're so mad about him. I do love that though because it's like, okay, so you're you're upset because he's not continuing the story. That means that you're so passionate about the story that you're yeah. upset that you're not getting no. more of it. So at the end now of the day, now people don't care anymore, James. Yeah. Now no, I'm mad. It's because they love the story. <laughs> it's because they're well, upset they're not getting more yet. It's the same thing that's happening to Patrick Rothfuss, right? Yeah. With the uh, King Killer Chronicles, yeah, I read I read Name of the Wind and absolutely fell in love. And then someone's like, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that." Because mm -hmm. we still don't have the third book, so so quick, I was like, "All right, quick story." I'm not going to read the second until I get to the until we know that the next one's going out. I'm not going to keep reading. A quick story: I I was halfway through uh, Name of the Wind when we started the podcast, and I had to oh, stop yeah. because we knew it was going to be adapted eventually. So I still haven't finished that, and it's one yeah. of those oh, books no. that like because of the podcast, I haven't finished it. I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh my god, I, I, I should read give so a shout bad. out to Rothfuss because he, he I. That was the one I read after Song and Ice and Fire when I was like falling back in love. And there was like another way of showing um, something I hadn't seen in fantasy before that I really enjoyed at the time. Um, and, I, and yeah, I, I mean, thoroughly loved it because yeah. I, I worry about, you know, the, the grittiness of, of Game of Thrones. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm naive and I like my fantasy less rapey. Um, yeah, there and... is some, there is some of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although and... I will say the show is worse about that stuff than even the books are. And and maybe that's it. Maybe I, I'm just kind of, uh, it's tainted from the show. And mm -hmm. so uh, I think at some point when I, I honestly maybe when I found reading some the more time in life. And not, reading, yeah. not watching the show. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I second that, obviously. It, it point. might be something I do uh, when I have more time in life. But, you know, at, at this point with, with all the books I have to read for my own show, it's, it's hard. Yeah. No, I, I, feel that, I, enjoy, I feel that problem. <laughs> You're yeah. asking about favorites and stuff. I'm like, I don't read very widely anymore because I'm always reading for the show. So it tends to be stuff we, we have discussed. Yeah, um, I do want to real quick jump in and say a couple because Luke rattled off a bunch of authors. I, I and Mostly relating these to the podcast, a couple, a couple that come to mind as far as favorites are... Um, I know that it's a basic answer in the same way that George R. R. Martin is a basic answer, but Stephen King has meant a lot to our podcast and I mm. love reading King. And I, I'm one of those people that when I read his stories, I, I tend to say that there's like a certain familiar, there's like familiar things that he does, but he continues to just make every, every, every like seed of his stories are so interesting that you're just like along for the ride. Um, and there are a couple others that we've covered. Uh, Gillian Flynn. Is a is an author yeah. we've covered a lot. Uh, two two books at this point. Two books, but yeah. She she's, yeah, because everything she makes gets turned into a yeah. freaking show or movie. <laughs> yeah, 
She's incredible. Uh, Jeff Vandermeer, we were just talking about him the other day. I love Jeff Vandermeer, and I want to read more of his stuff, but I, I was really taken with like his sort of weird... Um, what's the name for that, Luke? That's sort of like fungi... fungi like isn't there a, isn't there like a genre fungal punk i don't fungal know punk, something i don't, I don't know what you're looking punk. for but yeah weird it's like a weird sci-fi weird horror yeah mm-hmm. i love his stuff uh that we've read I'm trying to think of others any any others like that we've covered luke that come to mind for you yeah i mean i have i can go by genre you know uh i do want to touch on king a little bit because i did not read king growing up um king was always my mother's author that was her favorite mm-hmm. author and um I think I tried to read some and I was just like, oh, this is, I'm not ready for this. It was like too adult at the time. Um, and then I, I read other stuff. I got really into fantasy. But when I got into grad school, I think I read my first King novel. And uh, he has been something that has been really fun because my mother passed away, uh, I guess going on nine years ago now. And after she passed away, it was really nice to read um, her favorite author and it feels like i feel close to her oh, in that yeah. way whenever we whenever we cover a king project i it's always really, really nice cool. in that way yeah um and then other authors um i think ted chang is one of the one of the coolest one of the most interesting authors writing right now he does short fiction like exclusively um he he's one of those people that when you listen to him speak he sounds like he is uh very deliberately choosing his words to where mm. like this could be something that someone quotes later because it's so well crafted <laughs> and i'm always so envious of that because i'm the complete opposite i tend to get ahead of myself and like stumble over my own words because i'm just trying to get all my thoughts out in a big pile and so whenever i listen to ted jane speak i'm like yeah that's how it's done i don't do it that way but that's how it's done <laughs> He's, when you hear someone like that speak to you're like oh this person's just a straight up genius you're like oh like, <laughs> yeah. like full on yeah I think he is. Um, I, I had uh, a couple others that just came to mind for me. Uh, the we haven't read enough of him, but the the sort of tone and like uh, it, it the it's a it's a certain tone of like comedic meets like um, a master. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. But uh, Neil Gaiman is someone who comes to mind for me. Where oh, he's yeah. like he, he has a, a really nice voice that I that I've enjoyed everything we've read of his and then that leads me into his collaboration with Terry Pratchett and and Good Omens I absolutely love that and then recently we had you on the podcast actually Tyler and we covered uh Douglas Adams and Douglas Adams that that a lot of like that tone really speaks to me as a person like you're you're speaking like this this trinity of like my favorite (laughs) authors right now yeah (laughs) Neil Gaiman to Terry Pratchett to to um Douglas Adams I'm just like I'm reading Terry Pratchett for the first time right now because uh, I'm like I actively have to like find a book that I can read on the side while I'm doing all my other stuff because people ask me like who what what's your favorite genre to read and I'm like well I generally read bio or, or memoir <laughs> like I don't like it as much but that's what I have to read so that I can know what the fuck I'm talking about on my own show um, my and but I love fantasy I love sci-fi. Uh, and Terry Pratchett with uh, his guards series uh, or the watch series um, within the disc world. It is just, it's just hilarious. Like it, everything that he writes is he writes this way where like he, you know, he's saying something funny, but the way that he's saying it is so like convoluted and uh, English, <laughs> you know, like that. I don't, I don't get it. So I need to go back and reread it. 
And so I'm rereading pages so that I can get the context of the jokes. And then I'll be like randomly laughing. My wife was like, what, what do you laugh about? I'm like, I, I can't even explain it because <laughs> he writes in a way that just like, unless you've read the last five pages, it does. It's not funny. <laughs> Have you read Vonnegut? Uh, no. Uh, I think both of you would really enjoy Vonnegut. I know that James hasn't really read much of him either, yeah. if any at all. I've had it recommended to uh, me what, by a lot of people. What has he written? Uh, Slaughterhouse Five, five yeah. uh, Cat's Cradle, Breakfast of Champions. Um, a lot, a lot of really excellent books. Uh, he's he's he's, he's, he's really funny five. and yeah. and uh, just clever. Just a, a really cool writer. We we we're I think we're really pushing to cover him at some point on the podcast. Yeah, I, all the adaptations that have been made of his work are pretty bad from everything I've heard. That's so okay, that's though, like right? that's still the struggle it. of like. Mm. <laughs> I have <laughs> but, to wonder because this is this is really familiar. Slaughterhouse Five is familiar, and I have mm-hmm. to wonder if it's because I've listened to you guys' show and maybe you've talked about him. Before. No, we haven't. Well, we've maybe mentioned it, but we haven't yeah, covered like, it yet. It's a very it's a very interesting name, like. Slaughterhouse Five. Mm-hmm. It's not something you really forget if someone even just mentions it. Yeah, it's so. a time travel story in the sense that this guy gets unstuck in time and he is able to travel to different points in his own life, and his life is wild, and uh, it has lots of hijinks awesome. ensue. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the stories I've been uh, slowly gearing my tor- myself towards is the Dresden Files. Mm-hmm. Have you guys read those at all? I've heard of them. I haven't. (laughs) I I know about them. I've had them recommended many times. I assume I would like them. It's just, uh, you know, like we talked about, I don't read much these days outside of the podcast. Um, And when I do, it tends to be like, like I'll read a, you know, like a book on habits. Like I just read this book. uh, It's called Atomic Habits. I thought was excellent. And it's like nonfiction books and stuff I'll I'll touch on. But yeah, Uh, no, I have Uh, not read the Harry Dresden Files. It, it seems really cool. It also seems like like super nerdy and mm-hmm. like um, the people that I've met that are really into Dresden Files, they're a very specific group of people that I'm like, oh, okay. I can <laughs> see you're a Dresden File fan. That makes sense now. I, I, I get it. Mm. And they, they generally try to do the, the trench coat with the hat thing and, and it's it's pretty interesting. Um, so I'm worried that I'm going to become one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we see you, you'll have a whole I'm new just going to dive deep into it. <laughs> I have um, to shout out an, another sci-fi author just because we're talking sci-fi. Um, yeah. We covered him on the podcast, and I've been re- I've been trying to continue with the series, but um, Jim, James S. A. Corey, who's actually two authors uh, writing under one pen name, um, who wrote the Expanse series, and oh, okay. I, I have really been enjoying that show, and uh, I'm writing a novel now that is basically the expanse with like sentient cephalopods and underwater gunfights and uh that sounds amazing <laughs> and thanks and so i gotta shout him out because i, I might use it as a comp <laughs> as i just yeah. did um but yeah i mean i like i like the vibe it is kind of a game of thrones in space um that was kind of how the, the show oh, yeah. was originally pitched um it is it's a cool show and i think it's one that really grows off of its first season i think a lot of people stumble in the first season and don't know like what the big deal is um but i think it's by like mid-season two and on it just it really becomes a great uh, a great piece of television, and, and I'm really loving everything that's coming out with it right now. I I actually started watching because of your guys' coverage on it. Oh, I cool. listened to awesome. your guys' show, and I was like, man, they're just they're so excited about it. I gotta check it out, and I I think I'm close to the end of the first season. Um, and and I I get told time and time again, dude, you gotta get through the second season. It's like, gonna everyone who up, yeah. loves it says the same thing. So. Yeah. 
It's one of the shows. Are you liking it at all? Because if you completely hate it, you might not. But if you're you're liking some, you have some things you like. I don't hate it at all. There's just so much for me to watch and do. Like, Mm -hmm. like, um, just with my own show, my own writing, my own business, Mm -hmm. and then I also work forty hours. Like, I I have enough to do. But then there's also other shows like, uh, like I started watching Silicon Valley and Barry. um, Great, both great. Barry's Both are fantastic. Unbelievable. Barry, the first season of Barry took me completely by surprise, and it was like my favorite show of the year. Yeah, I and I can uh, we're I think me and my wife are maybe four episodes in, um, but then we're, we also watch Critical Role and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Dimension Twenty uh, because I'm just the biggest D and D fan, <laughs> and uh, so like that those are not shows that you just like pop on for half an hour. Like that's yeah, your afternoon four hour streams, that, right? Yeah, yeah. My wife yeah, watched so, all of season two of Critical Role over the course of like a three or four month span. Dude, that's commitment. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. And my wife is doing, like, I, I was watching it alone for a long time. And, you know, my wife would see, oh, I'm, you know, I'm being a nerd and excited. And then I actually got her to start playing D&D mm-hmm. with, with my group. She's like, wow, this is actually a lot of fun. It's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then she started, like, she'd be playing video games while I'm watching Critical Role. And then she slowly started putting the controller down more and more. And then she just ended up watching it with me. And that was like um, probably like episode 100 of campaign two is when she started to get into it. So now she's going back to the beginning of campaign two and trying to catch up Mm -hmm. to where we are while she's watching the new stuff with me. Um, So she's she. Yeah, she's drank the Kool-Aid. She's all, (laughs) all the way in now. I, I have not been able to commit the time that it requires to, to be caught up. I enjoy their stuff. I enjoy the, what I've seen. You know, I, I went to the beginning and started, and I think I got like 14 or 15 episodes in. Um, it's good. Uh, it's just there's so much of it. The immensity oh, of yeah. it kind of overwhelms me. And I can't. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I can jump in where they are. Like, I feel like it's spoilers to jump in now. And so <laughs> it's, I'm just all in my head about it. But um, the Adventure Zone is the podcast that got me yeah, back into D and D after not playing it for for years. Um, after after basically college, um, and then I listened to the Adventure Zone. And I was like, this is like when D and D is at its best, right? Like when it's just having fun and and laughing yep. with your friends. And um, it really made me want to go back and play. And now I I'm running two games and I play other nice. tabletop RPGs that I really enjoy. So I, I'm glad that I was able to do that. And of course, like the first, the balance arc of the adventure zone. It's one of the greatest. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Griffin's ability to like, they, they are all, they're all funny. They're Mm -hmm. all great. But this, but Griffin's ability to make me cry is insane. Like literally driving in my car to work and, or from work to home. And I'm listening to the balance arc. And there's, I think there were two times uh, at least where his narration and I'm, I'm like in tears because Mm -hmm. it was beautiful. Like, it's so unexpected too right like you never like you never think when you started out that you're going to be crying about this show because it's so goofy Mm -hmm. but where it goes is just unbelievable i've been telling i've been actually having my wife because she is so into critical role but i was getting her into adventure zone too because much like your wife it sounds like uh she didn't play D &D and and just got into it over quarantine basically as something we could we could do together with friends and now she's really into it she really loves it and uh so i've been getting her to listen to adventure zone more and more and and she's like you cry about this show i was like later on right now it's mostly just goose (laughs) (laughs) um 
I, yeah, I'm so I'm so bummed to say that I haven't finished balance. I got to like the uh, what's the pedal to the pedal to the metal. Pedals I to think. the metal. That's, yeah. that's still metal. very early on. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty yeah. early on in it. But my girlfriend, she 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 blazed through it in like no time, and she's always telling me how I need to go back and listen to it. I will eventually get to it. I listen to my brother, my brother and me like every week, and mm-hmm. like Griffin Such is a, a genius, obviously another genius. Yep. Like like. An unexpected genius too. Like, of course, he's a thirty under thirty media luminary, but like, or he was at least. But like, oh, he still is. The way, the way he, uh, the way he runs a campaign is just so unique, and it would be so much fun to be, to be in there. Um, there's something else. You guys were. Oh, uh, I wanted to say we were talking about like sci-fi shows and stuff and i did want to i wanted to shout out like a couple of sci-fi movies if we wanted mm-hmm. to do any of the movies i was stuff. gonna bring up your guys's favorite movies next because oh, okay. obviously i didn't have to prepare anything for this episode all i had to do was say what's your favorite and i'm gonna get yeah. a long <laughs> list of Tyler, things by the way, an hour. this is perfect when you were we talking about stuff opinions. that you liked like shows that you were liking something came to mind that if you haven't seen i highly recommend uh have you seen fleabag uh no no with phoebe i also haven't Phoebe Waller-Bridge, yeah. Uh, you should definitely check that out. It That show was like, um, it's one of those shows that took me by surprise. Incredible writing, but like the dry sense of humor, like you absolutely, because you said those three authors are your favorite authors, you're going to love this show. Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Check it out for sure. Like seriously, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Sorry to derail the whole conversation. No, no, you were, no, you're good, man. I'm, I'm, I got it up now. I'm definitely going <laughs> to check that out. Um, I mean... Yeah, I I love uh, I just I don't know what it is. There's there's a specific kind of genre that I'm attracted to. And it's, you know, like like the Barry and the Silicon Valley where it's like there's obviously humor here, Mm -hmm. but but it's layered upon so much more like this darkness, this deep uh, emotional like stakes Mm -hmm. on top of the, the humor and and I've I've been noticing that that's what what I am attracted to a lot more than like I used to be all about you know like Big Bang Theory, right? I, I loved it, but then I realized I'm just not invested in these characters because they're gonna get out of the they're gonna get out of it. it you know whatever scrape they're in it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. um, and they'll make a few jokes along the way. But like shows like Barry or you know Silicon Valley, they have there or even fuck man even uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah, right? there, are, there yeah. are ramifications for the things that they do in the show. Yeah. And and they linger and they the the consequences of their actions become the next episode or show up in the next season. And and I absolutely love that. I, and I think what you're picking up on and what I've realized that over time that 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 and I think we're alike in this in this thing that we like. And it's like I want I want my comedy to be heady, obviously. I want there to be some thought behind that, but I also want it to be, I want it to be like a well-detailed story in the way that like you're talking about, like like uh, Rick and Morty, for example, like those, you can, you can watch that as a surface level comedy, just like almost any right. other comedy that we're talking about. But like, if you wanted to like really get more out of it, you're going to, there's so much, <laughs> there's so many crazy concepts. And especially when you think of it from like a writing perspective or like, just like a concept perspective, um, yeah. like what it takes to think of these, these sorts of uh, stories. And I just like the respect, like, like 
give your stories the respect they deserve because like you look at like one of my favorite directors who we'll get to film in a second but one of my favorite directors edgar wright like you can watch his movies on a surface level and you can just say like oh that was a funny comedy oh hot fuzz that's about cops and it's like kind of like bad boys and it's it's got like some meta jokes and stuff but his like level of filmmaking is so detail oriented and and like so well researched and he under he's doing all of those things so deliberately in his movies because he's a student of film, you know what I mean? And th- right. those are the people that I gravitate towards is the people who like know what they're doing and why they're doing it. And yeah, there might be like a fart joke or something, but it's going to be a, it's going to be like a highbrow fart joke. Right. Right. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about Edgar Wright is the, it, that I, that I saw and I didn't realize that it was a thing. Um, you know, ever we would, me and my friends would talk about, it. I'm like, dude, my favorite thing about, uh, Shaun of the Dead, the Dead, is where it's like you know it shows him going to the bathroom, and <laughs> it turns a bathroom going to the bathroom into an action scene. Yeah, and and they're like, oh yeah, I guess that's funny. And then later on, I saw an interview where he's like, yeah, it's I I just thought it'd be a hilarious thing taking the most boring thing that you can do in your life and make it an action scene. And, you know, do quick cuts and yeah. zoom ins and stuff like that. For flushing a toilet, and it was hilarious. Yeah, brushing and the I teeth, and yeah, yeah, and exactly. The best and thing about that is that it's it's the antithesis to taking the easy way, right? So like, like, right. and normally you would just try to get that shot in and get it in the movie, and you're like, you've you've you know delivered that information to the audience member, but instead, like, making a deliberate choice to be like, let's make this harder, let's make it in like shooting something like that and having it cut together well is not easy to do, and like he does right. that because he's like he's respecting your time as the viewer he's saying like let me show you something difficult something you haven't seen before it also to me is an announcement of what kind of movie you're watching as he says like this is a movie that the filmmaking is taking center stage and you're going to notice it because i'm shooting this very mundane sequence as if it's very important and very exciting so that later on when he does this in other scenarios, you, you are aware of the filmmaker in a way. So I, it, uh, the other one I we talked about, we just did Edgar Wright when we did um, Scott Pilgrim. And uh, I mentioned how it reminds me a little bit of Tarantino because Tarantino is like that too. Like he, his Student filmmaking film. draws attention to itself. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I find that to be the case with Edgar Wright too, who I, I'm not as like well-versed in his stuff as James is, but I, I definitely enjoy as a filmmaker. Yeah, it's pretty popular. Yeah. Like, 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 I, I would absolutely have Tarantino in my list of like favorite directors and it's almost like a meme at this point right because like right. I know I know that it's like the popular thing to say and everything we've given a lot but, of basic answers today haven't we yeah but this is the thing look he's again what I'm talking about with Edgar right he's a student of film he's understand he's seen everything he's an encyclopedia he knows exactly why he's doing something and he's doing it yes partially because it's cool partially because it's something visually interesting or something like that's a uh, reference to something else but like he's respecting your time like movies like movies aren't documentaries right it's not supposed to be real life so like luke was saying like calling attention to the fact that you're watching a movie is saying like this is larger than life like it's supposed to be entertainment and it doesn't have to be like explosions and stuff like it can be entertainment that's like clever and and you know like we've, we're kind of circling mm-hmm. back to the well thought out detail oriented like just yeah have intentions when you when you go about doing something so let me let me ask the the really um polarizing question how do we feel about m night Shyamalan? 
<laughs> I mean, like, to, to be honest, like, like I said, I've come from a background of being like giving giving filmmakers the benefit of the doubt. Do I think he got went up his own ass? Absolutely. But do I think that some <laughs> of his early films are groundbreaking and like something that almost no one in the world can do? Absolutely. Mm. I I spent I have spent majority of my lifetime defending the village against my family <laughs> that's yeah. the one that's the one it's divisive for sure seems like yeah like most people I, hate the later ones but d- the village is it's very mixed it's right on the cusp it's yeah. like you, we had unbreakable we had you know the sixth sense we had signs and everyone was like these are great signs had its problems mm-hmm. but it, it, when it was out it was still like this big deal it was awesome and then the village comes out and everyone's like oh it's gonna be the scary you know m night Shyamalan. he's a he makes scary movies and then and then we get this romance, right? <laughs> like this, this quote unquote period piece romance. And everyone's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> this is not the M. Night Shyamalan. But then I watch it and I'm like, yo, do you realize how long he held his, his, uh, his shots? Do you realize how, uh, powerful his, his emotions are in that? Do you understand like the connection between these two is built up to, to such a point that it, like, there's so much emotion and they're like, yeah, but the monster was dumb. I'm like, yeah. that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see that movie again. I I think I saw it in the theater and I remember liking it and then coming away and like hearing how much everybody hated it and then going like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have liked it. <laughs> yeah. And then I and never saw it again. Worst, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been, uh, you know, I, I think people can tell since I haven't watched Game of Thrones, haven't read it. I go against the grain a lot just because it's like. I don't want to be told how I feel about something. You want to be contrarian. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, But contrarian so that I can find my own truth, right? Right. Like, I'm not going to let someone tell me this is good or bad. I'm going to go, okay, you think it's bad. I'm going to take the stance that it's good just to see if I actually believe that or not. (laughs) Later on, when I'm not talking to you, I'll probably be like, yeah, it was was terrible. (laughs) That's a tough spot to be in. The village is great. Yeah, that's a tough spot to be in, too, because you can. Like, um, cause the, the inverse is also true, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to dislike something because people dislike it, but I also don't want to like something because people like it. But, but what I'm trying to say basically is like, um, if something's popular, it doesn't mean I can't also like it. You know what I mean? Like that can mm-hmm. be, that can be tough to, to navigate. I feel like. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I grew up that way too, because, uh, both of us, James and I are both from central Florida, like small town. I feel like by the time we heard about anything cool, it was already not cool anymore. By the time we, like, we started getting into it, I don't know if you had this experience or not, James, but kind of, yeah, um, yeah. There wasn't a lot of like hipsters in our area. Well, I mean, I know like, a few. And you have to but, think like we're talking like right as, as the cusp of the internet was becoming like, and, yeah. and I think that that's like allowed for, you know, transmission of knowledge faster. So people kind of are on the same same trends yeah. nowadays but at the time nowadays, yeah, yeah it seemed like it was like something got cool in new york and then it would like slowly drift down to us yeah. maybe or yeah la or something or seattle yeah. and and yeah so in that sense like i got used to like liking like finding out something exists falling in love with it and then hearing that it's uncool like, i had this pro- <laughs> i had this happen to me multiple times in my life and i had to learn to be like well you know it's okay for me to like something even if everybody else even if it's like so popular now that people don't like it um yeah yeah so i, I don't know I, i've always had this that push pull and then like after moving to portland it's like uh you know the hipster thing is real here and um i can also appreciate yep. the idea of wanting to be on the cutting edge and like find things before anybody else knows about them and um not not be into things that are like super well known 
Um, but I just could never come all the way around to that point of view either because I feel like I'm shutting off so many things that I would otherwise enjoy just because other people also enjoy them. It just feels like a yeah. bad reason to me. And, it, and yeah, that's not to say uh, you can't I, I also like something and see fault in it, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest yeah. th- things that people deal with is like, you can say that something is good and say that like, like, like I, I, you know, and I think I was better about this early on in the podcast. I think I've become a little like more relaxed with it. But early on in the podcast, I was really good about being like, walk away from every single project and like learn something, gain something new, like, like appreciate something in it because I guarantee in every single every form of media you're going to walk away if you want to go in with the intention of of like enjoying something you will have something to walk away with that you like but we live in this world of hot takes where it's just like this is this superhero does this and i'm just like i i'm I'm getting so exhausted by a lot of that kind of stuff and it's just like it's like if it's good it's good if there's criticism to be had absolutely have that have that talk but like let's Mm. just stop let's stop like just fucking hating everything for no reason yeah I it's become a meme in my family because Daredevil's my favorite superhero. Um, that you love it, the it Ben is... Affleck Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I did when I when I was a kid. Yeah, and I, first I saw mean, so it, did I. I like, yeah. This is dope. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then I watched it again, and I was like, "What? No!" <laughs> um, but it's become a meme in my family that Daredevil's not a superhero. You know, just to egg me on, just to try and you know goad me into an argument and uh it works every single fucking time man <laughs> i i will lose my shit <laughs> uh because it's like he's my favorite i i love him and and um but with a lot of stuff i i've had to learn you know with m night Shyamalan, who was my favorite for the longest time my favorite director um you know with with things like the comic books that i like and and books and movies it was always an argument. It was always me trying to defend these things to people who who didn't like them, and um, and it and it bolstered how much I liked them. And then when I finally got to a point where I could be like, you know what, I don't care what other people think about it. I like it. And then I started to kind of evaluate it on my own terms. I was like, I actually don't like this as much, you know, and. And so I started, you know, with like M. Night Shyamalan the, was the biggest one where I kind of did a 180. And really what clinched that was the the last Airbender movie. I mean, right? yeah, like, it was it was such a big letdown. There's no, no denying I, I, that. My wife and I, we watched all the series together um, long before the, the movie was announced. So when it was announced that my favorite animated show is going to be directed by my favorite director i was like i'm in heaven this is great nothing can go wrong (laughs) and and we go into that movie theater opening night and watched it and i walked out going that wasn't that bad right like because he wanted to like it so bad yeah i wanted to like it so bad that i convinced myself it was good but then i never went and saw it again yeah just live with that right live with that experience (laughs) why not and it's like that right there should have told me like how come you never wanted if you like i love going to the movies like it's a, an actual like hobby of mine to just go to the movies same so if i don't go see a movie again that says something about the movie itself it's not worth it mm-hmm. um and so then somebody got it on dvd and they're like you guys you guys want to watch it and i'm like yeah you know i it's it's the weirdest thing. I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. Let's let's watch it. Then I watched it. I was like, oh, holy damn, this is so bad. This is just the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. 
And, uh, and so it was just like this huge revelation when I allowed myself to just kind of have my own terms for what I think is good and, and, and stuff. Yeah. You, was, you know, something else that I was just thinking about is like, we, we've, we've talked a lot about like popular, popular stories, popular films. And there's also something to be said for it being too much when someone isn't willing to engage with something that doesn't fit within like a blockbuster format. Right. Like, cause I, I think mm. like there's a lot of people today that won't watch like these critically acclaimed films that that or at least they if they do watch them they walk away being like yeah but like the dark knight is better or you know something like that and i'm like <laughs> look the dark knight is incredible it's christopher nolan at like making his best batman movie it's unbelievable as a comic fan but like to say to like there's so much rhetoric nowadays where and this is why i think there's so much back and forth it's because some people will be like dark knight's the greatest movie of all time and you're just like geez like it's a good movie but like there's there's a lot of cinematic history that like that you're over just like completely glossing over to talk about uh, like a batman movie ultimately and mm -hmm, it's incredible yeah. <laughs> but it's not the most it's not the most well shot movie of all time like it just isn't like that's that's got to be a fact yeah. there's and like that doesn't necessarily make it a good or bad movie if it's shot well but like there are just there are just so many other factors that come into play when you're talking about like greatest films of all time and uh so I don't know. It's dangerous that like popular stuff becomes the best at this point too, because like people yeah. aren't willing to engage with like how what percentage of people have seen Citizen Kane at this point, like that are our age. Would you say it's only people who went to film school? Yeah, right? I yeah. haven't seen it. <laughs> that's but when that's I like, watched it, and that's like in like if you ask like a rant, like most people understand that like Citizen Kane's the greatest movie of all time. Like, do I agree <laughs> with that? Not necessarily, but that's like a that's a thing that's been said in the, in in just society for a long time. Mm -hmm. And look at how few people have seen it, and in comparison to something like The Dark Knight, and that's why I think the that that exists where it's like, well, The Dark Knight's the best movie of all time. Well, it's the best movie that you've ever seen of all time. <laughs> yeah i uh since we're talking about favorite directors i, I have to shout out uh denny villeneuve um oh I, yeah incredible he's one of my favorite directors working right now and he does adaptations he did arrival which i absolutely love which brings together oh, one of my yeah. favorite authors and one of my favorite directors and then um he's doing dune coming up think, speaking of frank herbert and i am so pumped for the prospect of being able to cover that we thought we were going to cover it last year and then it got yeah. delayed um, yeah, and so, we did too, so and then excited. we just ended up covering it anyway because we're not going <laughs> nice. to fucking waste I, time. I, I, I still haven't read that, so that's like another experience I'm really looking forward to. Dude. I saw the old movie, but but also haven't read it yet. Cannot wait. You guys haven't actually read no, it. No, we're, oh we're saving it. We want it yeah. to be like we we do we do feel like usually if we haven't read something yet, we want to save it for the show because then we can give that first impression reaction, which I I think is interesting to people. I hope. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. so we're saving it as hard as it is. If if you guys, I know you've already had me on your show, and I'm not like <laughs> inviting myself. I'm just saying, if you do want a guest and you can't find one for two, <laughs> legitimately, it changed my writing career. So it, it's a it's a little. I know that I said that about. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, but that was before I started doing my podcast, and that was a big deal. This was like recent. You can listen to my existential crisis on <laughs> our show <laughs> as we started going into Frank Herbert. Yeah, I've heard cool. a lot of people say that it's like their favorite sci-fi novel. Period. Yeah, which is it's such a good book, man. Yeah, it's so good. We might have to like throw a dart or something because I think we have like five people who've expressed interest already to <laughs> in being on that project. It's a very popular. A lot of people yeah. are excited about this thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely noted. Um, you guys got to do like the Council of Dune or something, <laughs> have, like a special episode where people just talk about it. Jeez, I can only imagine the edit on that one with like <laughs> 10 people in there. Uh, 
Let's talk about directors too, because I feel like you know, listing Denny Villeneuve is, a, is a definitely a smart idea. I love uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for a long time. I touted as my favorite director. Um, he's like the masterclass filmmaker, right? Like he's like the guy who is making those movies that like that like could rival something like what I'm talking about. Like uh, the master people point to is like uh, There Will Be Blood is one of my favorite movies. Uh, he just like, and then like, he also has an edge to him with like the, the, uh, uh, the comedic stuff. Like we're talking about like Boogie Nights, it was like kind of like launched his career some too. And like, he, so I love to see like, I, I love a, someone with a good sense of humor. I think, I think even making these like incredibly slow burn, incredibly well-crafted films, knowing that like someone with a good sense of humor behind them, I think helps a lot. Uh, I didn't know he did. There will be the blood. That's yeah. him. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I haven't seen. I need to watch that movie again. I like. I I really want to revisit it now that I feel like I know more about film. <laughs> I think it'll help yeah. me appreciate that movie even more than I did. <laughs> he's incredible, and apparently he's retired now. He, he did Phantom Thread, really? and then was like, "Yeah, I'm done." Or or maybe Daniel Day Lewis did, and Paul Thomas Anderson said he's taking a hiatus or something like that. I just I hope that he's mm-hmm. not done because that would be a disservice to everybody who wanted to see mm-hmm. film for a what while. About, but what about Alfonso Cuarón? Uh, Children of Men is one of my favorite films we've covered on the podcast. One of my favorite Very films ever, I think, and yeah. and he's a director who I haven't watched all of his stuff. That's why I'm always a little bit hesitant to name directors because I feel like I, I I don't necessarily watch their entire catalog. But, that's how I am with um, authors, Luke. That's how I am with authors. I'm like naming um, naming people man. that I've read. That's why it's tough for me to. I've read one book by some people, and I'm like, yeah, is this, can <laughs> yeah. this be considered my favorite author? Or am I kind of a hypocrite right now? I'm like, it's just like a pose. The struggle is real, man. Yeah. So uh, I, and I I think I that's why I agree with what you guys are talking about earlier, where it's like. It's hard to say this is my favorite. This is my favorite because I, uh, th- I get different things from different people and different books and different movies. And um, you know, like someone could ask me, like, "What's your favorite movie?" It's like you know, if if I had just been sick, I probably was watching Claudio the Chance of Meatballs because that's what I watch when I'm sick. That's my fucking favorite movie, man. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah. it, but then if someone, you know, if if I just went and watched, uh bookie eli for the longest time was like one of my absolute favorite movies because it was denzel washington man yeah because denzel washington was rad yeah it was badass it was a a a christian story it was a christian movie but it wasn't some bullshit christian movie right like it had this theme that i can follow and i can identify with and then i had people cutting people's heads off and blasting each other through walls and shit and i'm like Hell yeah! <laughs> well, like, I think the coolest I, part, since since it's it's like kind of a spoiler, we've already said it. the The best part is that it's you you don't know that until the end, right? Like, so right, you're like, oh, this is right. a sweet Denzel action vehicle, and then it's kind of a lot more mm-hmm. when you understand the subtext. It's so much deeper yeah. than than you realize the whole time, and then you go back and rewatch it, and you're like, oh shit! They're like from the beginning. There's these little hints and clues that it's there, and and that's what I love symbolism. About it. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, um. Have you guys ever seen uh, The Way, Way Back? Mm-mm. No, I haven't seen that, actually. Uh, it's it's written and directed by uh, Nat... Nat Faxton? Is it like Sam Nat Rockwell Fakes- in that? Somebody... Some, I, I think I know the cast. Yeah. He is? And Jim Rash. Okay. Uh, they, they, the two of them wrote it and directed it. Um, and, like, that movie... I, when people ask me, like, what's your favorite movie? I, I generally point to that. It's, a, it's kind of a, a way for me to skirt around it because again depending on the day you ask me it could be something completely different but that movie hit me so hard 
uh, because I identified with it. Like the, the story of this kid who has a single mom and a boyfriend who is just a douchebag and you're just trying to find a place where you you can exist like literally is my life as a child and and these guys they they wrote directed a movie the way that they wanted to um telling the story that they wanted it's not going to win awards for you know best camera use or uh you know anything like that but it was just fantastic to watch um and and so that's why i like i i get what you're saying james where it's like it's the best it's your favorite movie it's the best movie that you've seen right i don't mind people saying anything's their favorite i just i I, my my thing is like when the rhetoric becomes like this is the best movie ever made yeah there's a difference between favorite and best right (laughs) right it's good for everybody to remember that we just did a a a video on our patreon um well we've actually done two now but um where we tried to rank our the all the adaptations from the first and second season um of our podcast and by tier we did like one of those tier ranking videos mm-hmm. and it was yeah. so fucking hard like this conversation is giving me <laughs> flashbacks to it because we had to decide what is better between this like childhood classic and this like you know like th- things that are so apples and oranges and you're trying to say which one's yeah. better and it's it's so hard and then we did the same thing for the books behind the adaptations and and it was we were struggling throughout so it, it was fun but at, at some point i think we're going to put one of them on our youtube channel so people can check that out if they yeah. want to. They so, don't have to pay. I definitely watch that for sure. So we we talked about like um, favorite directors, and I talked about Edgar Wright, and we and Luke talked about Denny Villeneuve, and like uh, in the same vein for me, someone like Taika Waititi. Like if you see like mm. what we do oh, in the shadows, man. or you see like yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People. Like I was just gonna bring that up. Yeah, yeah Hunt for the Wilder People. He, yeah, he, the comedy. That's what we were talking about. So it's heart. It's comedy. It's well directed. It's re- very well detailed. Like those are the kind of and he's like. He's just this Kiwi who's like gone out of his way to to make filmmaking fun. Like, you know that his sets are fun. You know that he has like the pedigree from like Flight of the Concords and stuff. And um, it, it's just like seeing someone like that in action is is incredible. And he's going to be the biggest filmmaker in the world. Um, I mean, he's already I, directed and he's, Marvel movies and stuff. So he's so brave with with the content he's uh, he allows himself to deal with. Right. Yeah. Because have you seen boy? You look at Jojo Rabbit have you seen boy and like that's. That's scary to be like. Let's have fun with Hitler. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's not a phrase you want to you want to say to anybody who's going to be your exact right. Like that's oh, on our yeah, list of ones be... we might cover one day too, because I know it's adapted from a novel. And it, is it really? Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. So that's a great one. One thing I was going to mention with the favorite and best thing. So like those those are the people that speak to me, right? Like the Edgar Rice, the Taika Waititi's, but because that's the kind of filmmaker I would want to be—a student of film and and in that vein, that tone. Um, not saying I necessarily could do it perfectly, but that's like the, I would strive to be someone like that. And but then that's to, to another argument versus like if we're talking about like Paul Thomas Anderson and Stanley Kubrick and Martin Scorsese and like you know what I mean? Like there, there's like a different and there's there's room for all of this. But so like, I think that's a very specific conversation to have about like best versus favorite and like why are they your favorite and why is it the best? Like like because I yeah right. it's just I think I think it would do a lot of good for, for society in general, or at least conversations about this kind of stuff about like what, what's worth your time. Because I think a lot of stuff isn't, it, it just falls through the cracks. You see it every year, tons of indie films and stuff that are worth watching. And of course there's so much to watch, so it's impossible to keep up with everything. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, th- can I throw a curveball at you too? I want, I want to talk about a video game. 
Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I was thinking about my history with fantasy and sci-fi, honestly, mm-hmm. and like. I, I feel like whenever I list authors and whether I li- list, you know, D&D and I, and I talk about um, movies, this gets left out. And it and honestly is a foundational piece of media for me. And if that is Chrono th- Trigger. Okay. Chrono I th- Trigger. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. Uh, are, you, are you familiar with this video game, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I, I am familiar with it. I know it exists. I've seen probably... A total of thirty minutes worth of gameplay mm-hmm. in my entire life. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's I think the I, game holds up, but it is obviously it came out in like '96 or something. So this was when I, when I was very young, and we played we played it. We used to rent a copy from the local movie gallery, and we would try yeah. and come back every weekend to like rent it, rent the same copy, so that we could have our save file because the save file was on the cartridge. <laughs> oh, uh, really? Yeah, it was linked to the Sweet. cartridge. So you, if you wanted to play your same file, you had to get it. And sometimes we couldn't get that, and we'd have to start over. Um, and this is all pre-internet, then. yeah. So or pre-internet being big, so like. The game is it's so it was the creators of um, Final Fantasy, Dragon mm-hmm. Quest, and Dragon Ball come together. Yeah. This dream team of creators to make this JRPG that is about time travel. It is like uh, revolutionary in a lot of the mechanics that it does, um, and it has this legendary score that's that like goes on to to be just iconic to this day. Um, everything about that game is amazing, and the, the longer it goes, the more back, I, the more I look back at it as just the singular experience in my gaming history. Uh, how much I fell in love with it. There's so much. There's so many secrets. It's a game about exploration. Um, it's just so much cool stuff bound up in this game, and it is simultaneously a fantasy story because you're you're this like guy with a sword who has magic and and, and meets up with like a talking frog and a and uh you know magus who's this like dark magic user and stuff but then you're also traveling to the future and getting this like robot to join your party and you're so it's, it's this blend of both and you're it's all time travel related so you go to you go to the past you do something and then you'll go to another point in the future and something will have changed because of something you did in the past and nice. the fact that they're doing all of this on the super nintendo Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like w- such limited tool sets that they were able to do and they packed it all into this cartridge. I think it's pretty incredible. And then this dream team of guys all went off to launch their own mega franchises and never have worked together well, in this capacity again. <laughs> well, to, to, like there's another thing going on here too. Like anime was becoming westernized. Like so like yep. Dragon Ball was mm-hmm. hitting really heavy. Akira Toriyama, who, who you're talking about, who was involved mm-hmm. in the art for Chrono Trigger, the art's the same because it's Akira Toriyama. So people yeah. were watching yeah. Dragon Ball and they were looking at Chrono Trigger art and they were like, what the fuck? and so then they jumped onto that and then the chrono trigger you know it started my love affair with jrpgs and i still to this day have like a like i know there's some garbage jrpgs that i absolutely love and i'll play them and it's you know it all comes from like chrono trigger and and some of the final final fantasy 7 like some of the some of those early like fantasy games um one that i thought you were going to mention luke that for me completely shaped my uh, in terms of playing a game that that like has that that I'll never be cynical about, and I'll buy every single one, and I'll play every single one for the rest of my life, Legend of Zelda for me, mm. uh, absolutely mm. shaped fantasy for me. It shaped a lot of that kind of stuff as well. Like like, um, I, of course, I remember playing like a Link to the Past, but a, a, that was uh, the one I played the most probably. Link yeah, to the Past, a Link to the Past, but then into Ocarina of Time on the sixty four mm. was yeah. absolutely game changing for me. It was like it was just that that solidified the fact that I would play video games for the rest of my life. In addition to love that sort of fantasy realms and things like that, I uh, I never had Ocarina of Time. Uh, it was always that game that 
you know, you, you go stay the night at a friend's house or like my cousin's house or something. And if they had it, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm going to go play this. <laughs> How game. about Majora's like, Mask too? Did you play Majora's Mask? I never got to play no? Majora's Mask because I never even really got to play Orcarina Time. Yeah. I'd always have to restart at my friend's house. And, and the furthest I've ever gotten is the Water Temple and that's it. Right. But I absolutely love it. Yeah. I, I like I adored playing it. Um, I thought it was beautiful. And now that they've like redone it a couple of times, it is it's beautiful again. Uh, I've seen the video of the dude that uh, rendered it with Unreal I saw that, yeah. uh, engine. I and it's so like, dude, let me play that. Dude, just do that. <laughs> You're going to make so much money if you do that. Um, I, I've started playing uh, Breath of the Wild because my my wife has been playing it, and I was like, ah, I gotta, I got I gotta go climb some trees and, and throw yeah. some bombs. I think stuff, I think so. I put like 250 hours into that game. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's incredible. It, and, um, and uh, yeah, for me, it was like we we had a we had a Sega Genesis. You know, we played Sonic and Mortal Kombat, and we trade you know, and get like Street Fighter and stuff. There's a lot of fighting games, racing games for me. And it wasn't until uh, my my older brother is my half brother. So he would live with his mom and we were with our dad. And um, and then every other weekend he'd show up with his Xbox. It was like, this is great because we're playing an N64. We're jumping every other weekend from a 64 to an Xbox. And I remember I still literally to this day remember seeing Morrowind for the first time mm. and he he popped that disc in and he's like all right check it out like oh let's make your character and I'm like oh this is cool already and then he's like you get off the boat and he's like all right where do you want to go and I'm like what do you mean like what's this how big is this level he's like no 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 there's no levels Tyler <laughs> you can go anywhere <laughs> and do anything mm -hmm. and my mind exploded literally i was like i just watched him play for three days straight him running around stabbing people running off fighting cliff chasers or whatever <laughs> they're called and and like it, it was it literally changed my life because from that point on i was like fantasy is about exploration mm -hmm. it's about finding the little secrets and and you know, and then right after that, Lord of the Rings started coming out and, you know, like just it absolutely ingrained into me the the love of of exploring these worlds. And then we started playing Dungeons and Dragons and it was about creating your world mm -hmm. and playing in it. And uh, it was it was uh, the like 1999 to 2004 that five-year period, there was just so much fantasy crammed into my life. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> that was uh, my prime D&D. <laughs> and, and, you know, that was an era where we played characters from level 1 to level 30 in D&D. Oh, you went to 30? Yeah. You did the, the epic We, did, we got the setup. epic handbook so we could keep playing this group that we max leveled. And we were like, we want to keep playing them. So we had to like buy all these special books that had the, had the stuff. This was 3rd uh, edition, 3.5 yep. around that era. And yeah, I mean, we played so much. Um, and then it was for a while, it was kind of like, well, I guess we beat D&D. &D. <laughs> um, I think that was one of the reasons why I kind of stopped playing for a while. It was like, OK, I've kind of seen that, done that. And we were, of course, those weren't the only characters we were playing. We also had a bunch of other ones that we would play, too. Sure. Um, and then it's only been, you know, recently that I've gotten back into it with fifth edition and I'm, I've really been enjoying it, you know? Yeah, fifth is great. We stopped playing third 
Um, we, we were all getting a little bit older and, you know, other things started taking precedence in our lives, but I can still remember our last session. Uh, my dad started playing with us cause he's an original D and D'er. Mm-hmm. Um, he played when he was a teenager and he, he, he's like, ah, oh, let's, let's all play. And, and my dad's thing was always playing a barbarian who got his way. And if you didn't, he'd just, you know, destroy you. <laughs> well, I played a, a sorcerer and, uh, I had found or made a special sword and i was i was in in my teens and so i was already being like you know screw you dad i don't want i don't want to listen to your rules and then in game my character's like screw you whatever your name is i don't want to listen to you so i ended up cutting his hand off and <laughs> running into the forest and hiding and that was the last time we all played D together <laughs> until like until fifth edition came out and we're like man remember when we used to play let's get back into mm-hmm. it Good times. Our, our our characters had like children and stuff that we were playing. Like Gee, you got <laughs> way further into it than I did, man. That's nuts. Uh, this was uh, before James. You, when did you start playing? Because I, I know didn't say, I didn't start yeah. playing until like college. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. For I always was jealous. Honestly, I played a lot of like. I, I don't know. I was really into like a lot of things, but D and D was just something that passed me by. I didn't have a lot of people who played like a lot of tabletop stuff growing up either. Mm-hmm. Like like you know the the regular board games I would play, but there was a few like a few more in depth board games that I would always be like, man, this is so much fun. But I didn't have the right group of people around me to ever play any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, D and D D and D was something that passed me by. Mm. Nice. Oh, uh, not nice. That yeah. Sucks. <laughs> like I'm, it's nice that you were able to get into it yeah, at some point. Yeah, come around on it too, yeah. So did you play before 5th or was it was it when 5th came out, 5th edition came out that you got into it? Oh, it was all 5th for me, yeah. Or maybe yeah. maybe I caught the end of 3rd, but I, we may have played 3rd now that I think about it because we were playing with like somebody had old old yeah, I think player's we, handbooks. We had some in, in Gainesville Yeah, that we, you might have played a little bit of, but yeah, I think... Yeah. You really started with fifth. I, I started back with uh, advanced D and D before, and then we got some second edition because I think those books were coming out around the time that we got into it. So we kind of blended the two because um, yeah. the rules were very nebulous back then. Um, so it was yeah. it was kind of just like whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I started. Yeah, definitely started way back. Um, it's always been a, a kind of a interesting part, and and these days I, I like playing other games too like i have a group of friends who we always play like more indie games or, or, or different kinds of tabletop rpgs which has been really fun to see what else is yeah. out there is even though i still love D, it's nice to to experience other kinds of games try some other stuff have you done monster of the week no i haven't i know that, that was a that was a uh arc in uh in adventure zone no we haven't done that one uh we recently finished up some we did uh, a game called invisible sun and then, um, which is a Monty Cook game. And then we are now playing Apocalypse World, um, which okay. is kind of a like a futuristic, uh, I don't know, like a, we used to play this other game called Future Wars. People would play Cyberpunk. Like it's it's that kind of style of game, and okay. you know, and and I'm having I'm enjoying that. There's so lots it, of there's lots of stuff out there. Isn't Shadowrun pretty ma- or was pretty massive for a while too? Did you ever play any of that? I never played any Shadowrun. I've heard, yeah, I've I heard only played it. the video game and it was lame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we've got a, a little bit more time and, and I would like to talk to you guys about uh, more, I guess, like your podcast and, and what brought you guys together, your story of, of podcasting. Mm. Um, 
you know, there's so much that we can talk about. I, sometimes I hate that I only do like an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> I want to just do the full Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> like, all right, let's just chill and talk. Isn't for the next like five Pete hours. Pete Holmes has like crazy long episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's fun to talk to people, it's, yeah. especially when you're like when you're clicking and you're talking about D and D and shit. You can talk about that forever. Yeah, but but, but we're tell not. Tell me about you guys. So we'll keep it short. <laughs> uh, bullshit. I'm gonna call it bullshit on that. You guys are like legitimately one of my favorite podcasts to oh, listen to. You. you guys, Contrivance and uh, Crit Seekers and and uh, the Monster Hour. Those are my top four right now. So, uh, awesome. You guys are up there. Very cool. Thank you. Um, Tell me about your guys' podcast story. Like, how did you guys get into it, and and what keeps you guys going? You know, what's funny is like, we, you know how everything is cyclical. We were just talking about D and D, and like, we picked up playing D and D on Roll Twenty back in like 2017, and then I think some some people started to fall off the campaign, and that's when Luke and I were like, "How are we going to spend our time if we're not playing D and D?" And like, <laughs> I had been wanting to start a podcast for for literally probably two or three years, and just never had anybody who I knew would be like committed to doing it. And Luke mm. felt the same way. I know I asked him about it and he was like, I have a friend who I might start a podcast with and we've been thinking about it. And we were yep. recommending like microphones to each other and looking into things. And then um, I don't remember. Yeah. Do you remember the specifics of how it all like how it all came together from there? So, some I'm very I have a very poor memory. Uh, I've learned over the years. But yeah, what I remember is uh, I, I was I had gotten into podcasts originally with a podcast called Bald Move. Um, they do a collection of stuff where they they react to TV shows mostly, but they also do movies. And they had a, they did a thing on Game of Thrones. So one of the first podcasts mm. I ever listened to was them reacting to Game of Thrones. One of the guys on the podcast had read all the books. The other guy hadn't. And I, I thought it was really interesting hearing them talk where the one guy was like sharing all the book knowledge. And the other guy would be like, oh, that sounds really interesting. You know, I, I, I thought it was cool. And this is, you know, podcasts weren't new at the time, but they were still kind of on the up and up. Like uh, uh, coming up at the time. Um, and then later I got into um, a Bim Bam and I got into Adventure Zone and I started like really getting into the to the form. And I think I remember tweeting something about like, man, I'm really I like I'm having this millennial moment where I want to start a podcast. And I was kind of <laughs> saying it jokingly and I was but I was also kind of testing the waters to see if anybody was interested. And uh, yeah, I was talking to another writer at the time and we were disbanding about like just silly ideas for things to do. Um, and then it, that he kind of fell off and, and it seemed like he wasn't as interested in it as I actually was. So then I started talking to James about it because, you know, like he talked about with the D&D. I actually didn't remember the D&D thing. I love that you remembered that. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where it was like I had moved to Portland and um, I didn't have hardly any friends here at all. And so I was still mm. trying to find ways to stay connected to people I knew from back home. Um, I thought this would be a cool way to like talk to James, you know, on a, on a regular basis. Um, and I didn't know if it would continue. I was like, it would be fun to start this thing. Um, and we, I remember we brainstormed ideas and we had some like really silly ideas that uh, definitely wouldn't have lasted as yeah. much as we had. We really this. wanted to tie it to alcohol. We wanted to tie it to like whiskey yep. and stuff for a while. Drink. Everyone yeah. does. Yeah. Everybody does. I want to have like man. a cocktail. Like we were going to make some sort of bizarre cocktail that may even taste bad. And then we were going to like drink it throughout the entire show. And, and, and we were going to like make it themed off of something. We Maybe we'd like watch something and theme a, sh theme a cocktail off of it. And Mm. Yeah, not just, necessarily the greatest ideas. We had we had an idea where we were gonna watch a TV show backwards, like start with the last episode and then go to the go to the start. <laughs> yeah, and we were like, that would be different. I don't think anybody's doing that. And then, like the more we thought of it, we're like, this sounds like it's gonna suck. Like we're gonna same hate thing this. with the drinks too. We're like, yeah, what, like nobody cares what what we're drinking. Yeah, like nobody like, cares what we're drinking. They're not gonna like drink along with us. They're not gonna yeah. give a shit. <laughs> 
Yeah, that guy who makes uh, the show How to Drink, he's doing terrible. I well, mean, if you're yeah. a bartender, that's one thing. Neither of us are. Like, we yeah. don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, like Luke, is, when Luke is actually has like a really, uh, you, you know, for for my money, he has like a refined palate for for whiskey. And so, like, yeah. I, when when we talk about whiskey, I'm like, yeah, no, it's peaty for sure. I'm like, this this scotch, <laughs> this scotch whiskey is like, it's very peaty and smoky, yeah. and uh, it tastes. You know, it tastes good, salty. Like I go yeah. with all the basic stuff, and he's got <laughs> yeah, all the pretty good. Stuff. You're already uh, ahead of a lot of people. Now, I mean, I, that's something I've yeah. developed over time because when I get into something, I, I've learned that I just I tend to get really nerdy about it and like get really granular with it and try and figure out everything I can. But ultimately, See, that- I have to I have to actively stop myself from doing that because I I come from a family of people who are like wine connoisseurs or you know whatever they're into. Like they're really into my my uncle. Like he knows everybody in the Willamette Valley that makes wine because he just loves to drink it. And so I started drinking whiskey and they're like, Oh, you know, are you getting, I'm like, no, I just want to fucking drink whiskey. I don't, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to be the guy, the whiskey guy. That's the, I don't, that's not going to be see, Luke. Luke, but I can't, Luke has slowly lured me into doing it. He's like, he, uh, if you can see my collection. Oh dude. Oh, nice. He, All right. Seeing behind you. He's, he's been teaching me. He's my Yoda. So like, he'll teach me like what, which scotches and I, you know, I do really enjoy it and I like, you know, developing my palate as well. So I appreciate yeah. that. It's just funny that like, like, nobody would care if we were talking about it on a podcast, really, especially if, especially if <laughs> right. it wasn't the only thing we were talking about. Like, if yeah. we were talking about movies as well, it starts well, to I become we, like a... we both realize that expertise is interesting unless you're incredibly funny. Um, that, yeah. you know, if you're just a really funny person, you can talk about whatever. For us, we both yeah. realized, like, well, let's talk about stuff that we know something about. Yeah. And we realized that we both had these passions that tied into what we wanted to do for our careers. And so, you know, the adaptation was like basically like, a, well, you love movies. I like movies. Well, I love books and you like books. Well, let's find a way <laughs> to make these work together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I think it's great. Uh, I mean, it, I think it's it's different than what Hannah and I did with with our show, uh, mostly because we we both love books. We, we met as authors critiquing each other's work. Um, but. I wanted to just talk, right? Like the original between Lewis and Lovecraft was was myself and two of my friends and us arguing over existentialism and, you know, nihilism and all these high concept uh, philosophical ideals. And we come from three completely different backgrounds of, of religious and philosophical views, which nobody wants to listen to people argue for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not, that's not fun. Um, we enjoyed it because it was <laughs> cathartic for us, but uh, it, it ended pretty quickly with, you know, we just didn't have the time, but I still love the name. And I had done all the work on like the logo and stuff. I was like, I, I just can't give this up. I, I got something in me. I got some show in me. And so then I just approached Hannah and I was like, look, if you do all the work, I'll do some <laughs> of it. I'll, I'll help. <laughs> You know, and 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 it and it's it's history from there. Like she does eighty percent of the work. Mm-hmm. She she's the one that outlines our show, and and I just read the books, and I just interrupt her with <laughs> funny things or my ideas, and then I I make things look good on our on our social media, right? Like, and so I think it's the point is, you guys found a partnership, and and that's what makes a good show is when you find a good partnership, a good chemistry to create something, you know, that's greater than the sum of its parts. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. And, and I think you guys have done that. 
Um, so when do we when do we get the from you know from ink to film movie? There's always a movie. <laughs> well, the right? books no, the book's got to come first. <laughs> oh right, yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> we'll write the we'll write the book one day, and then uh, and then we'll adapt it. It would be and, yeah. I mean, yeah. I look forward to one day. It'd be cool if we could collaborate on something like that and and get something made. I agree. That's a that's a dream. There, right? I do. Like, and, that and, would be so cool. And I think we've become close enough to the point that like if I you know if I am even if he's not say say the writer on a project that I'm working on if I had questions like I definitely trust his opinions enough to go to him and be like what do you think about this come on tell me if it sucks like you know what I mean yeah so there's definitely that relationship there too that's awesome well you guys it has been absolutely fantastic to hang out with you is there anything else that you wanted to talk about anything else that that, uh we didn't nerd out I mean we didn't even get to cryptocurrency do you guys want? To- <laughs> yeah, let's dive into that. For the oh God, next they just turned three up. They minutes. just turned yeah, off the podcast. Just- um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I would invite people to either follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Luminous Luke on there, or go to my website, which is LukeElliottAuthor.com. Um, I do have some short, short fiction out right now. I'm actively shopping more that hopefully will will find homes, and I'm working on novel length projects. So you know, keep an eye out. Yeah, I don't have a lot yeah, out right now, but. Um, other than I some feel short bad, fiction. Luke, because we didn't get a chance to really talk about your work, and I really did want to, but I asked one question and that took majority <laughs> of the episode, which is fine. You want to hit me with a rapid fire one? I can give you a quick answer. Uh, what's like? What's your first story that you wrote? Uh, first story I wrote, or first story I published? Both. Okay, so first story I wrote, I think I was a small child, and I wrote a story about a boy who drank a pink potion and shrank down to the size of like a flea and rode around on the back of his dog. Um, nice. And that was, that was basically the story. <laughs> Just yeah. so that, that would, that would be fun. <laughs> what, are you writing the sequel right now? Are you thinking yeah. about it? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then my, the, the first story I published for money, um, I, I published some stuff in, in like uh, student magazines when I was in college, but I, I published uh, a story called always, always dawn to forever night. Um, that is, was published in metaphorosis magazine. Um, and then later reprinted in the Best Vegan Anthology, I think of 2018, Best Vegan Science Fiction and Fantasy Anthology. Um, and that story uh, is uh, just like a weird fantasy uh, secondary world tale uh, that that I, I have a lot of like deeper meanings that that it means to me. But I, I want sure. to be like vague about that for every because I want people to be able to read it and find their own meaning. So that's my hope with it. Um, that that's on my website. If people want to check it out, it's still I think available for free on on Metaphorosis. So I have a link on there. Um, yeah, yeah. What was what was the last one that you've published? Uh, most recent was a story called "They Come from the Void," which is like a cosmic horror piece that was in a local, actually a local literary magazine here in Portland called the Buckman Journal. Um, was when it was originally published and looks beautiful. They did a great job. Um, and then it was republished, reprinted in a audio uh, format and a podcast called The Overcast. And you can listen to that for free um, where it was narrated by one of our former guests, uh, J.S. Arquin. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And that was the first time I'd had something produced, you know, as an audio piece. And, and so it was really fun to be able to hear that. Um, and th- that's another one that, it, it means a lot to me, and, and um, I talk a little bit about the reasons why, I think, at the end of that ep- episode, actually, so if people want to check that mm-hmm. out, uh, I talk about how it, it deals a lot with death and, and my, my sort of relationship to it and reaction to it. it if there's, um, I know it's kind of um, 
reductive, but if you were selling yourself as an author, you know, what are you kind of like? He, he's kind of like this, but a little bit more like this. He's oh, like God. the fantasy version of this. Or this is hard. What, what would you say is is you? Um, I so I don't know, man. Um, it's it's one of those things that's easier for other people to say about you. Um, but for me, like I I was a genre guy who fell in love with genre and then had to learn to write literary, and then I went back to genre. And I think to me that shows in my writing. Like I, I always have a literary spin on things. I I care about sentences. I care about um, figurative language and and symbolism and stuff like that in a way that some genre people don't. Not many, many do, but some don't. And um, I, I like the idea that I can take that approach to pulpy, you know, very, very genre specific stuff. So especially my longer work, like, my, you know, I write uh, like a fantasy novel or a sci-fi novel. It tends to be very pulpy. It tends to be you know, spaceships and guns and, and sword fights and you know, like the stuff that makes the genre the genre, yet I'm trying to bring in my literary background and, and some of that deeper stuff to that. And so that's my goal, at least. You know, how well I execute it, I guess, is always up for debate. But that's what I like to think sure. I try and do. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. And, and I, I'm definitely going to go check out the, the audio program that, that did your story. Uh, just the name sold me. Uh, it's like such a Lovecraftian name. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because the the editor said something about it being Lovecraftian or reminding her of Lovecraft, and I was like, I've actually never read Lovecraft. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Which so I, good, at this man. point, like, I'm kind of the contrarian about it. Of like, like yeah. I like to write You're cosmic like horror about... without reading Lovecraft, yeah. <laughs> um, just because I can, and it makes people mad. <laughs> I think. Yeah, it was interesting uh, for us to cover uh, Lovecraft Country with it with yeah. us never having read Lovecraft. And then going Any into that story yeah. and then the ad- adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I, I, you guys' coverage of it was really good, too. Like, just just the sensitivity of, of the situation itself, right? And, like, it, it's so much bigger than just a story. It's so much bigger than just a TV show. It, it's it's huge yeah. right now Love because it represents something so much more than just a silly story. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought you guys did a really good job of, of making sure that was understood, uh, with, with the TV show. So I, I appreciated you guys on that one for sure. Thank you. I, I push people to ink to film, like go follow us on all socials, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can find me at James underscore bail. So take off the S in my first name, take off the E Y in my last name, uh, on Twitter and you know, I don't tweet very often. I retweet more than I tweet and uh, <laughs> I like stuff So you can find me on there and then I'm not super active on Facebook really But yeah, I, I you mean you can see it, who runs our social media accounts, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure <laughs> I have I've said many times like if not for the podcast like I may never use social those those social <laughs> medias just because yeah, yeah. I, I use other platforms obviously but like uh Twitter, Twitter is like I feel like I'm shouting into the void sometimes. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. So check those out. Thank you so much for having us on, Tyler. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I yeah, I appreciate you guys coming on, and and, uh, and it was a really fun conversation. Uh, maybe next year we'll have to pick it up and keep talking about some more stuff. Um, it seems like there's a lot think, more we could talk about. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like there's there's a lot of stuff here. Um, I'll tell you guys about Doge, an easy episode. Dogecoin next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do a year long report. Like we start talking and you just interrupt. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're talking about. You guys it. hear about this uh, Dogecoin? It's, it's, 
it's an easy episode when when I don't have to pry answers out of people. I can kind of just uh, just chat. So um, definitely, I'm 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 interested in having you guys back. And if you listeners are are interested in a smart, not ridiculous conversation about books, um, because you're tired of my voice and me making fun of authors, uh, I highly recommend uh, Ink to Film. Um, and I, I, yeah. The fact that you guys do both movies and and books is is really interesting. So, film fans, book fans, nerds in general, um, you'll you'll get something out of You're this. Our people. So I highly recommend <laughs> it. Um, ink to film, um, and I'll try and make sure I get all of your guys' stuff so that we can have it in the in the show description. Um, so you guys, listeners, can scroll on down and click. Click a couple links if you need help getting there. Yeah, I think we mentioned it earlier, but if you want to hear Tyler, he joined us for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, film, which was a really fun episode. So check check that one. Yeah, if you if you didn't get enough out of the two episodes (laughs) where I talked about it on this show, then you can go to another show and listen to it. It's great. Um, Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, remember, Google Gang, I've got no outro, so this is gonna get real awkward real fast. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.